friend of ours told us about a property in another country that he had invested in, and he built this giant tree farm on. They had trained locals on how to grow and tend to the trees, planting the seeds in the ground, how much water and fertilizer to put on them, and how often. And they put a lot of money in this tree farm. And not only was it going to be a great investment with all of these trees that it would produce, but it would give the locals quality lumber, along with lots of jobs. And so down the road, they checked in on their tree farm, and they discovered that all of the seeds that had been growing so well into little trees were now all dead. You see, the local workers saw how much growth the trees had when they used fertilizer, and they thought, if they grew that much from just a little fertilizer, imagine how much more they would grow if we put a whole lot of fertilizer on them. And so they started dumping fertilizer all over the trees and ended up killing every one of them. Seeds are fickle things. One can sprout up through a crack in a sidewalk and be strong and healthy, while others you can have in a temperature-controlled room, in a pot, feed it and water every day, and somehow still manage to kill it. Well, Peter closes out the first chapter of his letter by talking about a seed that is implanted in us that lasts forever. Nothing can kill it. Nothing will ever wither it. And it will always remain powerful. And so let's read. Let's start with verse 23 to recap where we just came from before going into verse 24 today. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. And so Peter partners up being born again and the imperishable seed of God's word in our life. And so let's begin where Peter does, the new birth. Jesus says in John 3, 3, that in order to see the kingdom of God, in order to enter heaven, we all must experience this new birth, being born again. Now, one of the hardest things to come to grips with about this new birth is that we don't control it. We aren't able to make it happen any more than a baby decides to make his own birth happen. We don't have the ability to make it happen any more than dead men have the ability to give themselves life. But that's the reason we need to be born again. Ephesians 2.1 says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. That's why we need the new birth. And that's also why we can't make it happen. You see the problem here? But this is why God is so good. His grace is so wonderful. The very thing we need and are unable to gain. He gave freely in love. Before the new birth, we treasured sin and selfish pursuits so much that we cannot treasure Christ ultimately like he's rightfully owed. And because of this, we are guilty. This is real evil in us. We are the only ones to blame for this spiritual hardness and deadness that exists in our hearts. And something has to happen there must be a change in us. Jesus said we must be born again. We can't do it. 
the Holy Spirit has to work that miracle in our hearts and give us new spiritual life. We don't work for it, earn it, or obtain it in any way. From the priest to the prostitute, we all are in equally desperate need to be made alive. Now, the interesting tension is, yeah, while we don't make or cause the new birth to happen, we still take part in it. Dead people don't raise themselves unless they're Jesus, but they do take part in their own resurrection. Think about when Jesus was outside of Lazarus' grave. He'd been dead for four days. He was good and dead. He was beyond dead. And even still, Jesus created new life in him just by speaking a word. In John 11:43, Jesus says to the dead Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And the next verse says, the man who had died came out. So Lazarus takes part in his own resurrection. He comes out. Christ causes it. Lazarus does it. Christ brings about the resurrection. Lazarus acts out the resurrection. You see, the instant Christ commands Lazarus to rise, Lazarus is the one that does the rising. And so here's what this looks like for us. The instant God gives us new life, we do the living. We get up, we go, we live out this new birth life. So how does God make us to be born again? The answer is given at least three ways through this chapter in 1 Peter 1. First, verse 3 says that God caused us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is first and foremost. Christ died and rose from the grave to give us victory over sin and death and a new life forever. And second, in verse 23, Peter says, God caused us to be born again through the living and abiding word of God. We just read it. So Christ's resurrection and the word of God. And third, the sum of Christ's resurrection and the living word of God. Verse 18 says that God ransomed us through Christ, what he did in our stead on the cross. Jesus brought the imperishable into a perishable world for us. He came from heaven where life lasts forever and became a part of our world here where life doesn't last forever. He shared our lives in this perishing world so that we can share his life in the imperishable world of heaven. But guess what? We don't have to wait for heaven to have access to the imperishable. I love how the Dare to Share ministry describes it when they say life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. And what is this seed that is imperishable, this forever life that we've been given, that has been planted in us? Peter says, it's God's word. It's living and abiding. This new life within you is an imperishable seed. It's the word of God. And Peter underlines this point, that the seed will never be lost in the next two verses, the last two verses of chapter 1. Verses 24 and 25 say, All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. 
See, it all comes back to the gospel. So what has to happen now is that we grow and develop in this new gospel life that is within us. The word keeps on coming to you. Life is within you, and you grow in grace and truth. This is where the Bible comes in. The Word of God outside of you, the physical Bible, activates the Word of God inside of you, this new nature given to you in your new birth. Peter writes a letter, a tangible written document, our first Peter, and it prompts growth in what is already within us, the imperishable seed, our new life in Christ, the glory of the gospel, our hope and salvation. And so spend time growing that seed. Grow in faith. Let the Word of God pour over you as you spend time reading it each day and spend time thinking on it throughout the day. It's imperishable. Unlike the trees which wither from too much fertilizer, there's no such thing when it comes to God's Word. And so get after it. Whether it's been a while since you really got into it on your own or you are killing it with your devotional discipline, keep going. God's Word is worth it. So next time... Peter cranks it up a notch and tells us that it's time to grow up. Until then, let's pray. God, thank you for life in you. Thank you for the freedom and joy that that brings. When we drift away, pull us back through your word. When we become complacent, startle us by your word. When we grow cold to you, grow in us a desire for your word. We owe all to you, and so may our lives reflect that today and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.